right, hallelujah. I feel God in our midst. I feel that God is uh, longing to interact with us. You know, that is the core of what our faith is about, is that God is looking for a people who will honor him, surround him, and be his family, and align with who he is. And so we're going to talk more about that in a bit, but I'm, my spirit is alive with the possibility that I could satisfy a need of the eternal God who was and is and is to come, the ancient of days, that just think about it, that you yourself, who you are as an individual, you can satisfy some aspect of the need of a God who has everything. So, Father, I pray today that as we worship you in spirit and truth, as we honor your name, as we lean in and press into who you are, to want to know you more, to love you, to praise you, that, Father, that we could align earth with heaven, that we could be aligned in our innermost being with who you are. Father, we pray today, God, that we could create a place where you will feel comfortable to be exactly who you are, that you won't have to hide any part of who you are. Lord, come and abide, we pray. Let's worship him today with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. This is a moment where we just want to lift our voice now to him. Whatever song is inside of you, this is that moment. It's simple. It can be as easy as hallelujah. But it can be whatever's inside of your heart. Just lift your voice up to him right now. Begin to declare that he is Lord, that he is God, that he is worthy. Let's just lift our hands to the Father right now. Jesus, right now, God, we come before you and we say hallelujah. You are an amazing God right now here in this moment. We sense your spirit. You are here with us. Father, we worship you. We honor you. We declare that you are good that you are God, that you are love. Father, right now you are healer, you are lover. You are all those things, Jesus. We declare you as God, the one we serve, the one we love, the one that we declare that knows all truth. Jesus, Jesus. If you have a prophetic word, this will be the time to come and bring it. There's a prophetic spirit here in the room, and so don't hold back. Just come up here to the front right now. Thank you, Lord. You make me lie down. You make us lie down in green pastures, God. In green pastures, God. You make us lie down in green pastures, God. I declare we shall see the bigness of our God. He shall spread his wings out over us and we will soar. We will soar over the mountains. And the bigness of our God, the bigness of our God, we will see. Let's just declare right now, hallelujah, to our Lord, a simple word that all of us can say. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. So we have a season where the world is hopeless and they are hurting, but we have hope. We have hope. And so I speak to each of you. Oh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you and you and you, the hope of glory. And we carry that. We carry that when we see our families. We carry that when we see our co-workers. We carry that when we go to the mall. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I speak that over this city, that our city will not be a hopeless city. Our city will not be a city of tears, but of rejoicing because Christ is here and he is our hope of glory. 
and I speak to those that have turned away from this hope and I speak to you and I say now is the time to turn back to Christ he is your hope he is your salvation so as a body what we're going to do now is we are going to corporately declare that let's just stand to our feet and we are going to shout hallelujah together as one body does that sound good I think it sounds good. Ready on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah! And again. One, two, three. Hallelujah! Boom. we need to declare that part now is some people came into it but I feel there's something with the clap right now is I feel we need to actually all come into this that something is being broken and something new is starting today so again on the count of three I just want you to clap that's simple one two three Can we all say amen? amen? Amen. You may be seated. That was good. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, what you're doing in our life. We pray this morning not only that we'll have a great family time after uh, the service, but uh, God, that you would increase our understanding of what you're doing in our life and uh, increase our faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, it's been on my heart to talk about faith. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and I, I want to encourage you again. I mean, we didn't used to have to say these kinds of things, but read the Bible. Uh, the Bible, what Jesus said, what God thinks, his perspective, is right, is true. That's what it, That's one of the essential things you're saying when you're, you're becoming a Christian is, I, I believe these things to be true. And so we're stuck in a culture that's always communicating to us a message. And uh, often, oftentimes um, we get affected by that message. And so I need you to be in the Word. Find out what God thinks. When God's defining what love is, there is a popular notion out there of what love is. And there's God's idea of what love is. And God's idea of love is defined by who He is. God defines love. And, and so uh, he, uh, he, he defines the boundary. He gives us the, the form, the shape, the very definition of what love is. And so you can't just say, you know, well, this is love and I feel this and I think this. And this. You have to go back to Him. If He's the author of that thing then he gets to say what it actually is. So I'm going to read a couple of passages, and I'm going to come back to each of them. So I'm going to, just in order to stay disciplined, I'm going to read each of them, and then we'll come back to them. Because what happens is I'll read one of them, and I'll get so excited about the one, I won't read the others. So I'm going to try and not comment as I'm reading. But I tell you, the Word of God is so amazing, isn't it? The Word of God is so amazing. Okay, um, I, well, I'd like to read, uh, 
little portions. Sometimes it's great to have context. So let me read the context of this. I'm going to start reading in 2 Corinthians 5. It says this, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. We talked about that Wednesday night. How many of you here were Wednesday night? For in this we groan. How many groan? Who's we? We. Everybody. We groan. And uh, anyway, that's a whole other teaching. See what I mean? It's so great. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. And you can ask yourself, well, what if I don't groan? What if I don't earnestly desire? Okay, that's what we're going to be talking about. What are the characteristics of faith and are you exhibiting them? And if not, what should you be doing? I mean, uh, one other point in Scripture says, uh, test yourselves whether you are in the faith or not. Okay? Uh, let, me, let me just pause there. I just have to pause there. If you're in business, if you're doing anything, measurement is important because otherwise you don't know if you're succeeding. Right? If you're, if you're actually trying to save money, you actually calculate how much money you're saving to know whether the pile is going down or going up. Right? So we, we have measurements. Measurements tell us whether we're on course. Measurements tell us whether, what we're, whether we're actually going in the direction we think we're going or not. So measurements aren't bad. You may spend too much money and realize, oh, we haven't saved, we've lost, and that might be discouraging to you, which becomes the reason you don't want to look at the numbers. But ultimately, if you want to continue in the direction you want to continue, you have to look at whether you're in the faith or not. You have to look at those things that tell you uh, whether you're going in the right direction. And so the Bible has all these characteristics of what increasing faith looks like. So if you're actually trying to grow in faith, you should be able to, you should be able to say, okay, am I growing in faith or not? And if you are... A, B, C, D, E is, is the evidence. And there shouldn't be any shame in that or guilt in that. It's just, you know, it's like, well, anyway. For in this we grow and earnestly desire to be clothed with a habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, again, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who has also given us the spirit as a guarantee, as evidence, as, as the assurance that we're actually on this journey. Okay? So we always, we are always confident Hey, look at that. We are always confident. This is a characteristic of faith. We are always confident. Let me just say that again. If you have faith and that faith is increasing, you are always confident. Knowing that while you, we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are, we, but for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. So I'm going to keep myself from saying too much about this right now, except this. Remember these words, walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, uh, faith is often contrary to what is seen by sight, but faith provides a kind of sight. If you have faith, you have a kind of sight that other people don't have. If you don't have that sight, if you come here and it looks like everybody else knows something you don't know, it may be that they know something you don't know. And so then if you want to see or want to know, then you, you begin to posture yourself, say, God, I want to see. How come I don't see? What is it they're seeing that I'm not seeing? Or you can decide that now they don't see anything. They're just pretending. And that's what unbelief does. It just doesn't believe. They're pretending. There's nothing there. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I'm not experiencing it. 
then you must apply yourself, if you're going to be a seeker, and this is the next scripture we're looking at, to growing in faith. I want to be able to see what they see, or else you don't believe. But at some point, we have to decide whether we are going to be believers or not. And if we are believers, we must believe, and that belief must lead to sight. Make sense? So, that's a great passage of Scripture. We love that one. Let's turn also to 1 Peter chapter 1. And verse 7. Again, I'll read a little bit of context. I'll start reading in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with inexpressible joy uh, and full of glory, with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And we could spend a lot of time talking about that. But faith, faith causes you uh, to see things. So when you, it says you haven't seen God, but you love him. And it means he's not, he's not here in the room, physically in the room for you to see. But if you have the eyes of faith, if you see with the eyes of faith, then you interact with God. And there's a concreteness to that experience. And he's saying this. He said, listen, your faith is going to be tested. That means the things you hope for. The things you, you expect to happen in a certain timeline may not happen exactly as you expected. And in their case, they were being persecuted. They were being thrown in prison. They were losing their houses. They were, you know, they were up against a, a, a civilization that hated them and wanted to kill them. How do you stand up? How do you stand up to that kind of that persecution? Because you, you know what you saw. You know what's real, and that what's in this earth is not real. I, I, that I have an assurance that there's something real that's beyond the natural. I know, I see. Well, how can you, how, how do you know? See, well, if you don't know, you're struggling to know. How do you get this confidence? What do, what do I do to get this confidence? And here's, here's, here's the rub. There's no specific thing. And sometimes pastors and spiritual leaders in the past have done us a disservice by saying, if you just do this, then that will tell you, that will give you security. Just say this, in the, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I repent from my sin. I know people have done that, but don't, still don't have the assurance afterwards. What does that mean? They don't see. What does that mean? There's something left to be obtained that's missing. We're not, we're not standing here pretending. We're not wanting you to... Faith is not you pretending you, you know, that something is real that is not. Faith is experiencing what is not seen in such a way that if it, you know it's real. You're not pretending something's real and, and you know, well, you don't pretend with me. That's empty. You can't stand up under persecution and hold it at. It's like, yeah, no, I'm giving up. So, as you can see, there's a, there's a purifying of faith and a testing of faith. But in the end, f your faith will give praise to God. It gives glory to God. And at the end of the day, you receive the salvation of your souls. Now, let me go to the last scripture, and then we'll try and pull some of these things together. Last scripture, oh, it's so beautiful. Isn't the word of God beautiful? Yeah, amen. Okay. Let me, let me read um, Hebrews chapter 11. It's the faith chapter. It's the one you usually want to go to when you want to find out something about faith. It says, now faith, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
for by it the elders obtain a good testimony. What does that mean? Okay, um, if uh, if you're at work and you and you you're working really hard and you're producing better than everybody else, and everybody else says, "Wow, he's a really good worker." The foreman and the owners say, "Wow, look at the work that that guy's producing." What he's doing is is giving him a good reputation. He's getting a name. He's getting acknowledged through that. He said, by it, by faith, the elders obtain a good report. In other words, the one criteria that God is looking for in order to affirm you on is faith. Faith is the thing that will cause you to obtain a good report in the eyes of God. He's looking for people of faith. He's looking for people who will believe. Well, I thought he wanted worshipers. Yes, it takes faith to worship. You can't worship without faith. If you don't have faith in worship, then it's just, uh, what are we doing here? It's a lot of noise, and we've sang that song already. I know the words. Let's do a new one. <laughs> I remember a guy went to, uh, told the story, he went to a Pentecostal church for the first time, and he came back to his friend, and he said, he said, they sang a song 12 times. 12 times! In his church, they only ever sang a song three times, but that was because it had verses, each which were different, and we only sang the chorus because, you know, it's in between the verses, but we're always sort of doing something different. He didn't understand. What are we doing singing the same song 12 times? By faith, not by sight. You know, the elders, I mean, the, the four beasts before the throne of God, they say the same thing day and night. That would be ultimate boring if there wasn't an experience associated that with that where the words became superfluous that even even though i'm saying the same thing i'm seeing something that's always changing and the best way i like to illustrate that is sitting around a campfire how many of you like to sit around a campfire and just look at the fire doesn't that get boring no why because it's kind of alive and even though it's the same thing on one level all the time it's always different Right? It's like looking at a river and the streams of water and, the, you know, the pools and the rapids. It's like, it's, like the, it's the same, but it's just great. When you walk in faith, you can be singing and saying the same words over and over, but you're experiencing something that somebody else might not be experiencing. You're seeing something somebody else isn't seeing. And so to them, it's boring. Let's go on. Let's do different words. But you're like, well, don't you see what I'm seeing? Can you see what I see? You should sing that sometime. So anyway, was I reading this? Yes, verse 2. See, I get excited. For by it, elders obtain a good testimony. By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he, being dead, still speaks. Now, how did, how did Abel offer more, a better sacrifice to God? By faith. What, see, his, Abel's faith enabled him to be obedient to what God required. Cain heard the same instructions. Cain, Cain knew what God was requiring, but it didn't make sense to Cain. Nah. Eh. You ever done that? I do that to my wife all the time. You know, she, uh, we go shopping, and she says, I, I don't like that kind of shirt, but I do like that kind of shirt. So I say, hon, how about this one? And she says, no, I... I don't, I don't like that kind. So we go to another part of the store. I find a similar shirt that I like. I say, hey, how about this one? She's like, that's the same one. <laughs> See, I just can't understand why you don't like this. So I'm thinking maybe if we just, you know, slightly modify the colors, you will come into alignment with what I like. We are prone to think that. We can't understand. We, you know, when people don't like the same foods as us. What, you don't like this? What are you talking about? This is great. Just taste it. I did. Well, you haven't tasted this one. Because, <laughs> you know, our, so, so God says, this is what will please me. 
And and Abel, by faith, aligns with what will please God, and Cain has another idea. Cain has another thought. And his, what he likes and what he feels and what he thinks competes with what God thinks, so Cain is not able to bring himself into alignment with what God wants. And so Abel obtains a good report because he was able to align. Abel, Abel, Abel was able. He was able. And we see that with uh, David and Saul. Remember Saul? Um, he kept bringing God, you know, and doing what he thought. You know, what? You want me to kill all of these people? What a waste. I'll just keep the king and then he'll cut off his thumbs or something and then he can serve us. And, you know, and, and the prophet comes and says, what is, he said, I've done everything the Lord commanded. And Samuel says, what means the bleeding of sheep? Like, what, what's the sound of all these animals then that you saved and I told you to slaughter? Yeah, well, you know, the people, they needed a reward. And, 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 and I didn't see the sense in wasting good sheep. Right? It's, at the, when it comes down to it, the reason why faith is so great is because faith allows you to depart from what you think and enter into what God thinks. When you don't have faith, you value what you think and you don't value what God thinks. So you do what you want. Faith releases you from that, frees you from that. Faith you know, it says, I, I fear God, so I am going to do what I can, even though it's hard sometimes. They're like, Lord, Lord, I really love this, but I, you know, I believe that you are right. So, where were we? So, Abel. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Wow. A man pleased God so much, God said, I can't even wait till you're dead. I'm taking you. I, I enjoy you so much. Forget about the death part. Come up here. Wow. Everything becomes rooted in God when you have faith. Everything becomes oriented around God. You don't question who God is because you, you realize, no, he is, and he's the best, and he's great. And that causes you to, to, to come into alignment with him. And again, we're the same way. Everybody likes people who agree with them, right? You know, you have an argument, and... and uh, you know, you ask three different people who's right, you or your wife. You, you just, those people that agree with you are just, they're wiser. They have common sense. They, how can you not enjoy those kinds of people? I mean, the problem in the earth is every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. That's the spirit of lawlessness that's in the land, it's in the earth, it's in our nation, it's even in the church, and God is saying, where are the people who are applying themselves to align with me? Well, you know, I think that God is really not, well, I don't care what you think. I don't care what I think. I apply myself aggressively since the day I was born again, I seen where my life was bringing me. I was seeing where my thoughts were bringing me. I, I was seeing what my preferences were going to do to my life. And I just, I realized that, no, this is leading to destruction. I want to go the other way. And as I begin to align my life with God, align my life with the principles that are true, align my life with him, the more I did it, the better things got. So I just, I just realized, no, this is good. And now I want to do it even more. So, let's finish this up. And by this, I mean the verse. I still got another hour. No, just kidding. 
Here's, here it is. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I'll pause there. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, you cannot please God. Now, you may just decide, well, I don't want to please God then. But faith pleases God. That's what God's looking for. When there's somebody that pleases God, it's because there's faith. Abel, Abel did this, and that's, that's what the list is there. All these ones did these things because they believed God, and that pleased God. You know, if you were God, you'd, you'd be the same. In fact, you are the same. You like people who are the same as you, who like what you like. We gather around common interests all the time. We, we like literature, then we find other people like literature, and we like them. We skateboard, we find other people that skateboard, and we like them. We find hockey. You know, so they're, 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 our, our ability to, to connect with one another on the, on the basis of likes, which are on the basis of nature, our nature, what our preferences are. So God is looking for people who say, I just, I want to be like God. I want to identify with God. I want to align with God, and I want God to like me. Now, we say that. We want, I just want God to love me. Presumably, we're saying that because we're feeling unloved at some level, and we realize that God's love will satisfy everything. Well, there's a disciple that Jesus seemed to prefer over the others. His name was John. John himself said, that he, John, was the disciple that Jesus loved. Seem a little arrogant? No. Because our definition of humility is maybe not God's definition of humility. That was true. So, you know, John was in all humility able to say that. I am the one. Wouldn't you like to be able to say that? I am the one that Jesus loves more than all the others. Why was John the one that Jesus loved. Because God is pleased by faith. When you read the Gospel of John, when you read about John's insight into the message of Jesus, what you have is you have, you don't have a mind and a desire and a conflict about what's right. What you have is somebody who intuitively, I know that's right. I'm connecting with that. I'm aligning with that. See, there is, there is in each of us this, this desire on the one hand to be loved by God, and yet what releases God's love for us is alignment. Faith pleases Him. When somebody pleases me, I like them. You know? Isn't that true? Would you agree? We can please God. What if we could please God? Well, I, I want to do that. But what if I don't believe? How would I know if I don't believe? What if I, you know, it says uh, not by sight but by faith. What if I don't see? What if none of this makes any sense to me? What do I do? And that's the problem. That's why... The kingdom of God and your interaction with the kingdom of God begins by being born again. Now, the born again, the terminology, the language, is the language for an experience that causes you to cross over and begin to sense and experience the realm where God is. When you are born into this world, you come from someplace... And you come into this world. When you are born again, you are given access to another world. Yeah, well, man, I don't know. I've been around church a long time. I don't feel 
anything that others feel. I don't think the way others think. I don't, what is going on? Well, test yourself whether you're in the faith or not. Am I born again? Well, you know, I want to make sure you don't feel guilty or self-conscious about this. So did you pray this prayer? Did you say these words? Yes, I said those words. Well, you're born again. Shouldn't there be something? Right? I mean, not by sight, but by faith. You know, shouldn't I be able to see or experience something? No, I don't want you to feel bad. You know, just, just go by faith. Oh, you mean pretend? This is the thing. The kingdom of God, being born again, there's actually an experience. There is a reality. There is a concreteness to the kingdom of God, the things that are the Spirit. They're more real than the world which we live. And when you are born again, your senses are awakened to that realm. And if you are sitting here today saying, I don't know that my senses are awakened to that realm. What must I do? There's no answer. Because, let me read it again. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith, the the nugget, the kernel, the, the, the seed of faith at its essence is a belief that God is. And that he can be found. Which means I will seek. The church is not here to cater to people who, who don't have that. We are here to facilitate that. I remember uh, hearing this testimony during the... Uh, what's his name, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, you know, that arrow, and he's preaching, and, and things are happening, and he's, he's obviously walking in the Spirit. There are miracles, and there are signs, and people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and all kinds of things going, but people have needs in their lives. There's disconnects. They're, they, they, they're maybe born again, maybe not, but some of them, they're, they're trying to come into another level of experience, be it the baptism of the Holy Spirit or, or something, and, and, uh, and, and, they, they can't do it. And they would have meetings over four, five, seven nights where they're just coming. And people would come and they were seeking the Lord, but they were coming every night, but they weren't having any kind of an experience. And uh, I can't remember any specific story, but I remember so many of them. One of the things that was not present in Smith Wigglesworth or the spiritual leaders of that time is this sense that I must help you get born. That I must do something to get you to cross over. They understood that there was something of a coming to an end of oneself, a desperation, a a dying, I just need God so badly that was required for birthing to take place. And so they didn't create this, this guilt alleviating formula they wanted people to have an experience. And then what they talked about afterwards was, if you've had this experience, these are the things that start to increase in you. That's why all these things are written the way they are. And Paul is saying, that's why he says we are confident. We know. We feel. We experience. We see. These are the characteristics of faith. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know, man. Those things aren't growing in me. I don't, I'm not seeing that. Should I pretend harder? It's not about pretending. It's about desiring. I believe, and I'm, I'm praying right now that whether it's there or not, that there's a faith. I believe 
I believe God is. And, and I'm, I'm, from this time forward, I'm, I am going to seek him. Well, what does that entail? Whatever until, if he is, if he's perfect in his judgment, if he's the rewarder of faith, if he's the rewarder of hungry pursuit, then you can trust him to give you what's necessary when you meet the threshold, the requirement. Because he's perfect in his judgments, we can trust him. God, I don't know what I'm pressing through. I don't know what I have to break free from. I don't know what kind of unbelief. I don't know what is holding me back, but I believe you are there, and I want to cross over. And I don't want to live in some small measure of this thing, comforting myself that I have what others have, when I know on some level I don't. How do I do this? Desire. I believe. And I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to the table. I'm going to keep coming back to the table. I remember uh, this kind of belief. It's a natural consequence of crossing over into an understanding. I remember when I was in high school. And uh, my brother Michelle, we were looking at some guy and, and this skinny kid. Skinny kid. And all of a sudden he's got big shoulders. And I'm thinking... What happened to him? And my brother said, well, he's been going to the gym. I said, what? You could, do, you could get that, going to the gym? Yeah, he's working on these pulleys, and he's doing these things, you know, he's just for like an hour a night, and he's getting these huge, I want shoulders like that. And it just dawned on me, wow, if I do this, I'm going to get this. I never, I never realized that before. I thought you just sort of, you know, you ate, and you lived, and you got muscles. <laughs> I didn't realize you could actually purposely get them. But something, well, holy smokes. I remember when I realized that about sports, that, you know, you don't just by accident get good. You can practice and get good. It just, I was like, wow. And so I, wow, if I do this, I'll get this. And that's what he's talking about. You want to please God? And, and you know, let's, let's not pretend that's just not what it's about. I want to please God. I mean, you, want to, you may want to please your parents. You may want to please your boss. You may want to please others. You may decide you don't want to please nobody on someday, but most of us are inclined to want to please someone. God. He's the one you want to please. He's got the most toys to give. He's got the greatest rewards. But you have to believe that he is. You have to see enough that no, God is, there's God. This is true. I've had enough experience. I know this is true. I want to know what it's about. I don't want to be on the outskirts. I don't want to be on the periphery. God, what are you, how long is this going to take? He, he says, Listen, you don't have to answer all those questions. You just need to answer these ones. Understand that without faith, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How long must I seek? That part of the equation is in the hands of God. And it's dictated by more factors than I can imagine. But I know that he is the just judge of all. And that he wants to give you what he has. But there are conditions. And I can't even explain how those conditions apply to you. But I want to give you this assurance that if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. Well, I've sought him and I haven't found him. If you seek him with all your heart. I sought him with all my heart. Okay, now it becomes this question. Here, it's a question of alignment. Who do you think would know better if you have sought God with all your heart? You or God? You don't even know your heart. Well, I'm disposed towards God. I'm open to the notion that God might be real. 
You know what? God doesn't need to bow at the throne of any man's desire. Men are called to bow at the throne of God. He's the one with the glory that we need. He's the one with the love that we, I just want to be loved. Then please God and the love of God will begin to shower on your life because he does love you. But even with Cain and Abel, Abel was able to experience the love of God. Noah was able to experience the love of God and the acceptance of God. Enoch was able to experience the acceptance of God. Why? Because he aligned himself and made himself pleasing to God. Does this make sense? I don't, why do we do this and this and this? When does it end? When are we there? <laughs> I don't know. But something is being eroded in me when I'm made to seek him and when I have to depart from parts of my preferences and lean into his preferences and do things his way. Yeah, well, I don't want to do things his way. I want to do what, according to what I see and what I feel. Then you get the reward of your faith a limited version of what you could have. I can't tell you what needs to be breakthrough for you. I just know that each time I'm aligning and I I just, I mean, even in this, this week, I feel like God is doing things inside of me that have never been done and it's causing me to be pleasing to him. And it's causing me to seek him more. And I know he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so the message is this. God is. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. Whether it's being born again or spirit-filled or any number of other levels of seeing and experiencing the kingdom of God, it is all available if you don't quit. If you just keep leaning into him. Well, when will I be able to, to bench press 200 pounds? Well, later. Right now, you're at 100. It's going to take some things. Well, how long? There's no answer. How long is it going to take for this thing to change in my life? I don't know. But God knows. But the path is very clear. Seek him. Long for him. And when you realize your heart is not in line with, with him and you don't want what he wants, you don't have to stop there. Even you say, God, I know my heart is not passionate for you. Lord, I don't know what to do. Could you give me a passionate heart? I'm seeking you now for a passionate heart with the amount of diligence I can muster. You know what? That's all is required. That's all that's required. I am willing. I am willing. That's all God wants. And His grace will start to make those things a reality. Doesn't matter where you start, where you finish. So, Father, I thank you for faith that can cause us to obtain a good report. Faith that can cause us to be your beloved. Faith that can cause us, us to be favored above others. Lord, not that we want others not to be favored, but Lord, you, we want to come near to you. You are the one with the blessing. You are the one whose presence heals everything. You are the one whose love will change the deepest things of my life, Lord. Oh, God, may we truly begin to believe that you are the greatest treasure we can have. By faith, Abraham obeyed he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. 
Faith enables you to step out and you go somewhere even though you don't know where you're going. Now, there might be some people here today who've been in church a long time and, you, and maybe after this morning you're thinking, Man, I don't want you to feel condemned. It's not about condemnation or shame or guilt. You may be thinking, man, am I even born again? How do you know you're a son of God? It says his spirit witnesses with your spirit. Paul talks about having a confidence. Do you have that confidence? I'm not going to say just do this and then you get it because that could be an empty promise. But I'm just telling you this. There is a confidence to be had. There's an experience where God begins to speak to your spirit and tell you, you are my son. You are my daughter. And I tell you, there's nothing else like it. And maybe one of the reasons why we need so much for people to tell us we're special is because we haven't heard God saying it. But God wants to look you in the eye and say to you, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. So, Father, I bless your people. I bless this congregation. I thank you. God, that we can have a faith that pleases you, and that you can forge that faith in us. And we don't, though we don't have all the answers, Lord, we want to say to you today, we are willing to seek you, that we could have this faith inside of us, and that we can have sight that's by faith. Thank you, Lord. Amen.